everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Sour Mash podcast. Uh, we are the Sour Mash Tours team. This is Dylan. Danielle. And this is Andy, and we are on location. This is the first time that we've recorded not in uh, our kitchen, basically. Yeah. We were at the uh, the Elusive Bonnie Castle Club. Elusive? It's, it was elusive to me before I joined. I had always yeah. heard about it. Didn't know anything about it. It was like this mysterious place with the door you had a key card to get in. Mm -hmm. We also have a very special guest. We're here with Chad Clifton, uh, who is a member here at the Bonnie Castle Club, and that's how I was lucky enough to meet him. And he owns uh, three liquor worlds here in town, uh, out on the East End. So, Chad, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Chad's brought some delicious bourbon for us to taste. A couple of uh, store picks that he did: the Buffalo Trace Chuck Norris Tears <laughs> and the Newark Single Barrel Fat Boys, yeah. which uh, both first sips are absolutely delicious. Yep, and I definitely want to uh, learn more about the uh, the naming process that you're going yes, through with these uh, these barrel selections. I'm excited about it. But yeah, welcome in. We're really glad that you're uh, you're you. joining us for Thank this. You. So Chad, you've been a member of the Bonnie Castle Club for a lot longer than me. How long? When did you about join? About three years now. Okay. About three years, January. So yeah. I'm going on a year in March, and I guess you're a full voting member now. So you I am can now. Yes. Run for office and vote. I'm for actually a board member now. Like that. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell our listeners who probably aren't familiar with what this club does a little bit about Bonnie Castle? Sure. I mean, it's uh, well this year. Well, coming up 2019, um, it's 100 year anniversary. So it's been around for 100 years. That's right. Um, basically started out as a football club, um, and it was a group of guys that uh, played football, had a small club down where the actual Bellarmine University baseball fields and stuff are now. Okay. Uh, they played down there for many, many years. It was actually um, what was considered professional football back in the day. They didn't have such a thing at that time. Um, and then they parlayed that into selling that land to Bellarmine University, which got a huge amount of money, and then they came out here and bought this property. and. Have been out here ever since hmm. um, it is a which a lot of people don't know and and I'm sure there's been a lot of websites and people talk that you know uh, people make up stories all the time because they don't know a whole lot but uh, what's behind the white door uh, with the with the black awning um, but typically you hear stuff like oh men only women aren't allowed in there this and that well that's <laughs> not the case I'm here uh, yeah so <laughs> Um, that is not the case. I always like to debunk that one first because that seems like the one that everybody always goes to. It's like men are, you know, men only, women are not allowed. So um, it's basically a uh, social club. Has really nice big bar and great drinks and um, good place to come and enjoy and be around your friends and new people you meet. And mm -hmm. uh, that's basically it. I mean, it's it's something that I things. found. That uh, when I found it, I've actually been coming down here for close to five years now, and it. it it's just a great place. I love it. Yeah, I agree. I started coming up with uh, Marty Pohl, who's a good friend of mine. He joined and kind of got our happy hour crew yeah. to start coming up here, and we all really liked it. And, you know, all the people here are great. We started playing uh, dartball this year, which is a lot of fun. I think uh, me, you, and my friends Adam and Ryan are the youngest people in the place by, like, 40 or 50 years. It Easily. Seems like. Easily. Yeah, yeah um, when, I, uh, when, I, when I came up and, like, rang the doorbell uh, an older gentleman opened up the door and he was like hey who are you here to see and I you know I threw out some names and everything I was like oh we're here to record a podcast and he looked at me and goes I don't know what that is and I was like well I can't really explain it to you at that point but uh, yeah I got it in regards the, the membership so itself <laughs> I think is getting younger but the dartball league is is um, the dartball league is lit it is I lit love it's it. a lot I don't even play dartball but I came for I came twice, once to watch an actual game and then once for the Christmas party. So much it's fun. Awesome. It is awesome. But it's outside of the people, one of the reasons I wanted to join is because Bobby the GM gets a lot of very good bourbons in here and he mm -hmm. pours them at a very reasonable price. So you can come up and try some of the allocated stuff that they might charge an arm and a leg for somewhere else and, and get it for a good price. And we'll do flight nights up here where um, we'll combine three similar bourbons and I'll help Bobby curate the, the lineup and it's um, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really glad I joined. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking. Um, Chad, you're lucky enough obviously to go to these distilleries and I'm sure you've done a hundred barrel picks. I don't know how many how many do you think you've done? Uh, probably life? close to 
50 maybe? Wow. That's maybe a, 50. I've, I've done one and I consider myself like super 50 lucky. Total. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said 100 thinking maybe like you've done 20, but 50, that's, that's <laughs> a 50. Lot. Yeah. Well, then you get out of hand when you go pick out some of them and you, instead of buying one barrel, you buy five barrels. Yeah. Well, so that gets out of hand sometimes, <laughs> which we did here for the club. You know. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, that's yeah. right. So. Yeah, part of the 100th anniversary, there's some uh, Knob Creek single barrels coming. Wow. That are all 14 years old. 14 years old. Yeah, they they hooked us up. Oh, those are going to be fantastic. And one of them has a very nice uh, custom, like, etched front Mm -hmm. with the the Bonnie Kessel Club symbol. It says the 14-year age statement on it. It's nice. I I signed up for two bottles of that. Yes. We're looking forward to it. Um, But the first one that we're drinking here is the Buffalo Trace pick. It's being dropped right now. I don't spill any of it, thankfully. Um, dubbed Chuck Norris Tears. So tell us a little bit about when you picked this barrel and how you came up with this awesome name for it. Uh, short story, it's um, actually a customer of mine won this barrel um, and came to me and basically said, if I have to buy this whole barrel, my wife's going to kill me because there's <laughs> way too much bourbon. Um, would you split it with me and I'll buy half of it for friends and family and you buy the other half for your store? And I was like, well, sure. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And so I went on a pick with them. It was me, uh, two other employees that work with me, and about seven of their group. And I basically sat back and let them do all the picking and tasting because Mm -hmm. it was their barrel. They asked for a few inputs here and there, what I thought, but then they basically picked it out, and he he actually came up with the name. (laughs) So he said, I want something really cool that people would laugh and chuckle about. And I said, he called me one day, and he said, I've got it. I said, what is He goes, it's Chuck Norris Tears. And I laughed, and I said, I have to ask where they came from. He goes, well, it's because Chuck Norris never cries. (laughs) So, and it's been an absolute hit at our stores. I mean, people come in, and they ask for it by name. Yeah. You have any Chuck Norris Tears. Yeah, you can't, like, turn that down. Yeah. I mean, if I saw this, I would have to. Um, It is not. It is. I literally, when I got that in, um, I think we sold all of it in two days. Wow. Wow. I mean, it was a lot of product. It just... But it, you know how social media is, and, I was gonna say, and the bourbon that, boom. Yeah. I was going to say, Texas, was that through word of mouth, or was yeah, that just that like people yeah, type in and send it on Facebook, and, and, or putting it on a secondary market, and somebody sees it, and they and then this just goes nuts. Yeah, right. yeah. it is. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Buffalo Trace pick that's a three seven five, and maybe that's they, true. Maybe they exist. Are they lot, all this size every? But, um, every bottle so I did. I did did big bottles, seven fifties for the people that picked it, the guy that had it, and I did all small ones. And the only reason we did small ones was. Partner Bill, who runs the other stores, he said, nobody does pints. You never see that. Mm-hmm. But they do it for us. Well, I asked them. They were like, well, sure, we'll do whatever size you want to do. So we did it kind of that. We also did it to maybe get some more product. Yeah. It goes mm-hmm. a little farther, so I right. mean, people would get more. Right. Absolutely. So that's the reason we did it. It's been a huge hit, I think, from now on. I think if we can do pints of anything, yeah. we'll probably keep idea. doing it because mm-hmm. people love it. That's an awesome yeah. idea. Especially for a barrel selection. I mean, I think that's really cool. Like, to just say, like, okay, somebody can go in and buy, like, four or five of these at any given time because the price point's probably not as crazy as people think for being a pint. And then you can just kind of put them head-to-head against each Mm -hmm. other. Like, that's that's a really great idea. Yeah. Is it pretty hard to get into Buffalo Trace right now? Oh, it's near impossible. Yeah. Near impossible. Um, This this customer got very lucky. So the the, uh, November, no, uh, December 1st of every year, they do an allocation online, and anybody can get on and try to win an, a, an item. Oh, that's right. And, that and it happens like... every year, and every year the computer system shuts down, and it locks <laughs> up. And, and literally, this guy told me he literally, like, hit return, hit refresh, hit return, hit refresh, until finally he got lucky enough to hit one. Wow. Now, he tried again this year, and to get anything struck out. They, they set aside, like, I think they told me 13 or 14 barrels every year for the public to be able to try to get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that this year, um, my day job, we, we work with some bourbon companies in Buffalo Trace. One of the guys, Bo from Buffalo Trace, came to the office and said that um, this year when they did that, it was like within minutes. Yeah. It was, they were all gone, mm-hmm. and that's like way faster than in previous years. Like mm-hmm. people are catching on to it. I mean, yeah. barrel picks are the thing now. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you think about where bourbon's going and you kind of hit that ceiling you're like oh what makes something stand out it's like yeah we went and picked this out ourselves so you know why wouldn't people want to do that especially if you're just like a private citizen and you're just like oh i picked this whole like this whole case like i picked that out myself and i'm like what how gotta be willing to buy a lot of booze but (laughs) yes 
Yeah. And I also think it's cool. I mean, just the, the Chuck Norris thing's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I would buy it from that novelty alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> so most of the single barrel selects you see would be like uh, Liquor World barrel number five or something yeah. like that. Correct. There's no way to tell the difference. And then the other one we've got is from New Riff, which this one has a very unique and yeah. awesome nose. Dylan and Chad both thought that it smelled like a, a finished bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is the Fat Boys pick. Yes. And this is the second one of these I've seen that has the picture on the back. Uh, the other one was Ken Riffey Jr. Yes. That was a huge hit. Ken Riffey Jr. And then I've started to see a lot of like uh, Russell Reserves that people have put their custom labels mm-hmm. on, even mm-hmm. some Four Roses that people are putting, like yeah. uh, Red from Shawshank Redemption on the side of it. Yep. And these things start uh, getting a lot of popularity. And I guess the <laughs> unintended side effect of that is people buy them up to flip them on the secondary. Correct. Market. 100%. So how do you feel when you sell this at your store for twenty two fifty or whatever and you see somebody selling it on the secondary market and pocketing an extra 40 bucks? Um, it doesn't bother me as much now as it used to back in the day. Yeah. I think uh, when it, the bourbon really got booming, it bothered me a little because I feel like, you know, being a retail business, like... Um, why can't I just charge it for it and just make more money off of it? But mm-hmm. I'm also the same person that I don't want to gouge anybody either. So right. now I've gotten to the point now where the boom's gotten so big, it doesn't phase me anymore. Right. If if there's somebody out there willing to pay five times retail for that because they want it, more power to them. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, like I said, you know, I had a guy that, you know, wanted to buy one of those that lived in Texas and he's never going to get it, never going to see it. He paid, he probably, he could have bought four bottles for what he paid for one, but he didn't care. He had to have it. You yep. know? And so that's where it's gotten to, which is, it's good and bad. It's mm-hmm. good for retailers because it doesn't last on the shelf very long. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's the other thing. I guess being here in Louisville, people assume that we've got access to all this good stuff. But people are just more into it here. So that's, gets, yeah, I mean, that's always the funny out. thing to me when we're doing tours or we talk to folks. They're just like, oh, like, where can I go buy a bottle of Blanton's? Yeah, and like, they think, they assume that it's just easy to get here because, yes. you know, it's like, oh, bourbon's everywhere. And I'm like, no, like, this is the hardest place to find it. <laughs> like, people know what to look for here. You know, go, like, go to your home, like, mom and pop liquor store somewhere and, like, there's a chance you might see one if you're in Ohio or something because right. somebody's let it sit on the shelf for years and has no idea what they have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always really funny. We're just like, uh, good luck. You might find one on your way back home as you're driving. Yeah, every time we thing. travel, yeah. we'll pop into the liquor stores just yeah. to see what they have. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, come to my store, you know, you have, where are you from? I'm from Michigan. You have a better chance of finding it in Michigan than you do here in Louisville. <laughs> They're like, but we came here for the bourbon. Yeah, I'm like, right. well, find, so a, you, find a buddy and go yeah. somewhere and get some. Yeah, that's the only way you're going to do it. Do you work behind the counter on a, like, do, a daily yeah. basis? Uh-huh. What's the most common, like you see somebody coming in, do you immediately know that they're in there looking uh, at or the bourbon shelf thing. and trying yeah. to Yeah, I mean, you can tell somewhere. very instantly when, when people pace up down the bourbon aisle very <laughs> quickly. Uh, you can kind of read like, and typically I'd say, can I help you find something? And, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm looking for Blanton's. And I'm like, oh, I don't have it. Yeah. Now, people in my store have gotten used to like the rare stuff. Well, hard to get. I don't put out on the regular yeah. shelf. I put it behind the counter right on the top shelf mm-hmm. because we typically limit that now. Mm-hmm. We have to one bottle per person because if we don't, somebody comes in and buys all 12 of them if they can. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically now it's been long enough people come in and they head straight to the counter to look behind the shelf, for, you know, behind the counter first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can pick them out pretty easily. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you um, do any sort of lotteries or special uh, No, well, we do releases. Uh, now we've gotten to the point now because the re- everyday stuff, like you talk about Blanton's Weller Green Label, mm-hmm. um, Eagle Rare is into that now, yep. um, Elmer T. Lee, those, those Ro- Will Rock Hill, which is near impossible to find anymore. But we, I kind of pile those up now um, and let them build up a little bit, and then we'll do like a Friday release. And we'll like Thursday night, we'll post it on our Facebook page. Hey, we're going to do a small bourbon release Friday morning at all three stores. This is what it'll include. And we'll do something like that yeah. where, you know, people get in line. And it, typically it's not like, like a pappy thing where they line up overnight, but they'll come half hour before store opens or maybe 15 minutes and stand in line, wait for you to open and get something. And yeah. it's one bottle and typically is what we do. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, what's the, what's like the biggest line that you've ever seen for a release? That you oh, have? I mean, well, probably not at my store over at Old Henry, but at the LaGrange store. I mean, we had a release three years ago for Van Winkle, which is the biggest draw typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first, it was a Saturday morning release at 9 a.m. And the first guy in line was there at Thursday night at five o'clock. 
And when we opened at nine, there was 128 people in line. Wow. We don't do that anymore because we kind of got a little flack over that because there were so many people standing in front of so many other businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't do that anymore. Yeah. So far ahead in advance. We still do the, the, the line thing for Van Winkle. But, but just let them know like the night before. We do the very night before and we tell people you can't stand up, start it, stand in line until 10 p.m. because by that time businesses are closed. So yeah. What do you t- what do you tell a man who's there for like two days? Like he's just like gonna use your bathroom or you're just like you just walking in and out like no, hey man, man, how's it going? <laughs> Martin, have a good night. Be honest with you, uh, quite a few people are stand in line over night mm-hmm. guys not all of them there's a lot of flippers and a lot of chasers in those yeah. groups but mm-hmm. guys that are genuinely like to just camp out and get a good bottle they'll typically come in your store they'll buy something because mm-hmm. they're gonna they're there for two days they're gonna drink something while they're outside yeah. for you. i mean you know so they do that and then you know then you have others that don't i mean yeah. but we try to be as friendly as possible mm-hmm. to the whole acceptance but we kind of have had to take the approach now where we really don't control what happens outside. They're lining up. They're they and they've gotten really good. They police themselves really well. Hmm. Guys that do it around town and go every liquor store, they kind of keep others in line and yeah. they kind of keep others like, hey, there was a chair there. That guy's here. He's gone real quick. He'll be back. So you know, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's gotten better. Right. A lot better than it used to be. Oh really? Yeah. It used to be a little like wild wild west. Oh, it was out awful. There. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, you'd have. I've seen. I've seen people put cardboard cutouts in a line of a like a person to hold, to hold their spot. I mean, this is, this is no lie. This is no lie. Like you can't even get me out there. I had, we had a gentleman one time at one of our store tape a cardboard cutout to the side of our building, and so, of himself, him, of his just of a, just in, like a whatever whatever person. <laughs> also, wasn't like a from a movie promotion. Oh, no. or something like Han no. Solo. <laughs> <laughs> in the movies and like cool no, it yeah. cut out a piece of cardboard looked person and taped it to our so was everybody yeah. else like dude did they respect that well we caught that before it happened he was getting in line before we had really done something to be the first one and um you know kind of person like what are you doing man and he was like well i'm trying to save my spot and we were like uh that's not how you do it and bill was like my buddy bill was like uh you can't even you're taping stuff to the side of my building, man. What are you doing? And he so that's that's some of the crazy stuff I've seen. Yeah. That is hilarious. Wow. You know, no, how, how, long have you, how long have you been doing this? Have you only been um, going like on nine years now. Mm. Okay. So, so you kind of started in like at the beginning of the bourbon boom or when it was yeah. starting to When it just popular. started, yeah, it was starting, you know, I mean once um, right at the beginning, I mean right nine years ago, I mean you could find Van Winkle stuff on the shelf in stores. Yeah. Uh, you could walk in; it wasn't overpriced. Which is crazy um, to think but it was about. With uh, two years after that, totally changed. Yeah, it took about two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it it didn't climb. It just it was like somebody let off a bomb. It was ridiculous. Yeah, just all of a sudden. I've never seen anything move in retail. Right before that, the big fad was flavored vodka. Mm. Flavored oh, yeah? vodka for a five-year period was one a monster. Like. You could put any flavor you wanted. It didn't matter. You could make up cheeseburger flavor. Somebody <laughs> bought it. Yeah, that was like, uh, I would always buy those flavored vodkas for like jello shots. Yeah. And I remember at one point, like, the game was just up so far because mm-hmm. I could make so many flavors. Mm-hmm. Do you know I what remember I mean? the like whipped cream vodka phase. The whipped was cream like, vodka has nuts. changed That's the jello shot game. Stuck around. Oh, it, yeah. It, yeah. It is like the orange and cream jello shots. Like, you can't go wrong, but there's like right. caramel. There's there's every different fruit flavor you can think of. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember what you're talking about. It was, uh, I think, Burnett's, right? They kind yes. of started that whole thing, and the rest of the Pinnacle like, came yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. they like, made bur- any flavor you can think of. Oh, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to see somebody taste birthday cake vodka next to like uh, whipped cream vodka. Well, if you guys want really to do a tasting the on the next podcast, I'm sure they'll have it in the future. This is a, this is a vodka whole, podcast. I mean, <laughs> it can be. We, we can take a little time out and do that. <laughs> we'll try the whole Burnett's line. Oh, I think that'd be awesome. That, that was, it kind of makes me sick to It'll take me back it, to the uh, undergrad days. I'll make, I'll make you guys some jello shots. We'll, we'll go, yeah. we'll go there back we go. out. Well, no. I think that around the same time that bourbon replaced flavored vodka as the Fed, um, it's also when you started to see restaurants focusing more on um, yep. farm to table. You started to see a lot more bars doing craft cocktails, and people started really caring about kind of the origin mm-hmm. and the process of the stuff that they were they were taking. Like nobody wants to go to Burnett and watch them drop uh, chemicals into <laughs> yes, the out of vodka to make correct, whipped cream correct. vodka. <laughs> and you go out to Buffalo Trace and you see this operation they've got. And it's, it's romantic, you know. You got all these mm-hmm. oak barrels sitting there, and just 
waiting and time is the only thing that can make yeah. it taste like this. And it's a, it's a very cool thing. But I think it goes with, and I've talked about this on previous episodes, it goes with a lot of trends that we have in our society right now. It's a cool thing. Yeah, I heard, like, going to over 60 of these, have you, like, lost that magic of, like, going in a distillery and seeing something different, uh, like... Oh, well, I mean, I get to the point now where, like, when we go, if, you know, typically when you go, they they want to give you the full tour and everything. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough of Buffalo <laughs> Trace, I'm like, I really don't need to have another tour. Yeah. Just, let's go where the barrels are at, and let's open some bungs, and let's get to tasting at time. Let's, yeah, let's Now, we take going. customers with us sometimes, mm-hmm. so sometimes we'll go through that tour just because they're with us. Oh, yeah. But there's been times just three or four of us go, and we just it's we go straight we go to straight the, to it. Yeah, sure. have, you, uh, it. have you had Freddie? Have you have you yeah. asked Freddie give yes. me a tour? So awesome. Freddie, yeah, Freddie gave us a tour, and we oh man, we loved it. Yeah, it was just uh, like was that was when they were to, like they were kind of courteous to say like hey, we want to show you all like what we do, so that way when you're talking about it, and like he just like blew our socks off. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. That's so, a totally oh, different yeah. tour. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's different. That's yeah. not like the the yeah. regular like hard hat or just the regular walkthrough. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like a special. Yeah, yeah. I think we all time. shed tears. I think Chuck Norris. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually where they got it. this. But yeah, yeah, that's what that's what happened. Yeah, Freddie told him that story and cried. No, like mm-hmm. going into like seeing the the beginning of this bourbon boom and how everything kind of got going. How did you all adjust to people just like? grabbing stuff off the shelves as soon as it was put out well we had to start pulling stuff that we knew were huge sellers that we knew we couldn't get order again the very following week we had to start putting behind the counter we had to start putting one bottle per person on because of that and then some of it you you have no control over i mean some of it anything from buffalo trace now is a huge seller anything Mm -hmm. i mean i run out of not most the most popular low end item they they make that I run out of constantly is Barrel Barton Hundred Proof. Really, and people gobble it up, really? and then you won't see it for a month, and they can't make it fast enough. And it's it's hilarious to me that it's. I mean, that is a bottom no end, yeah. lower shelf bourbon, but they run out of it all the time. And now it's gotten to the point where it's on allocation. When it comes back in, you can't order three or four cases. You get Why? one case. Really, they can't. The demand has gotten so big they can't keep up with it. It's just it's. It's crazy. I'm so surprised by that. And you know, well, they've taken all the age statements off all the burial barges right. finally. Mm-hmm. You see all these six or sevens and stuff, and now they took them off. Now there's still some six and sevens in them, but they're probably putting four and five in there too mm-hmm. to get whatever they can well, get. Well, yeah, at this point. But still, I think they're at the point now where you still have to wait four or five years for it to age, and they just they can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Now they're probably more there from what I've heard through grapevine and things. Buffalo Trace is probably farther ahead of the game than anybody else in the business. Mm. They were very fortunate to um, Harlan Wheatley kind of saw the writing on the wall, and he kind of got the ball going mm-hmm. a little bit faster than some other people did. Um, so I think they'll probably be a little more ahead of the game with some of their higher-end bourbons mm-hmm. down the road than most people will. Hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it, it's got a long way to go. It's, it's kind of scary. You have to see what some of the brands are going to yeah, have to do yeah. in the next couple of years. I mean, that's that's assuming that things are going to slow down, right? You know, um, well, you talk to anybody like um, in the in the that side of the field, and um, I, I use this a lot because Bernie uh, Bernie Lubbers, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Bernie. so Bernie. Bernie he has a very good um, way of looking at it. He's you know like talking about at the time Heaven Hill and Evan Williams and all them. He's like you know they look at it as a baseball game in nine innings and he's like and we're in like inning three and there's still six more to go and they they are planning on it for six more innings and he's Mm -hmm. like and because i've asked him do you like what do you think and he goes i don't think it won't be like a lot of products where it just drops in the tank it'll get to a point where it'll level off finally Mm -hmm. but he says they don't they don't expect to do that for at least another decade Mm -hmm. i mean you're talking about this boom run for another 10 years it could be longer than that it's I've never seen anything like it. Ever. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's impressive. It's very apparent. Um, Danielle and Dylan are both from Lebanon, Kentucky, Marion County, and we were just there for Christmas. And every time you drive, you just see the the rickhouses popping up. Yeah. I mean, 
they got to the, to the space point where it's there. becoming a nuisance. Is it? Like people are starting to like well, be right. un, like unhappy. Well, you all got plenty of space. You can put. Well, as I know that. I mean, I don't think it's a nuisance, <laughs> but you know, you have people that are just like, "This is different." We come from a very simple place. Yeah. <laughs> when things change, well, it's around, Maker, get... around Maker's Mark, there was a lot of issue with like brick houses being close by, and then people were getting like people were getting them all. They were getting mold, that. Yeah, there's the houses, mold. and mm-hmm. like that's that does suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's. Huge for, I mean, tourism even in Louisville, but you have to think about a small town like Lebanon, Loretto, Kentucky, like oh, huge. Mm-hmm. So and then we've money. got another distillery oh, yeah. coming in that's, you know, going to hire more yes. people. Yeah. Going through Bardstown, I mean, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. There yes. are new brick houses every time we go back. Yeah, yeah Bardstown's um, really embracing their, yeah. you know, for, their name of being kind of it's, like the it's central great. place. I'm all about so. it. It's awesome. We went to um, Bottle and Bond um, in the the new um, Bardstown, Bardstown, Bardstown Bourbon Company. Company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. It's a gorgeous place. Gorgeous. It is. It's such a good job. It's yes. beautiful. I'm just like so happy that, you know, that kind of thing is is spilling over into Bardstown from the bourbon tourism. I mean, it's just, they needed it's it. huge for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, oh, yeah. They they were absolutely. Doing, they, they were, they were kind of like a, a quiet town mm-hmm. that didn't have a lot going on. And then, you know, I, I worked for Beam for a year right out of college and it was like 2000, what, 10, 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. And um, Bourbon Festival was a thing, but it wasn't really like a big thing. Yeah. And now it's literally huge. I mean, you know, four or $500 dinners that are happening well, every night out, of that you week. Know, into Louisville. They've mm-hmm. got events all over the state. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty wild to see. It is. Um, I'm, I'm actually very curious to see how our hometown or home county embraces all of this because they just announced a new, the new like, multi million dollar distillery. Isn't that um, uh, Diageo? Yeah, Diageo. Distillery. Diageo's building it and they're going to, they said they're going to hire like 30 or 35. Which doesn't make sense to, to me. Right? It sounds like a bourbon make, factory. Are they going to make Bullet there? No. Um, they make bullet at their Shelbyville uh, new that's, facility that they just right. built, yeah. which just opens, I think, in the next couple months. Yeah, it'll it? be open to public. Right. They built a big one in Shelbyville, Shelby County, that will be for bullet, yeah. bullet only, pretty much. I wonder so, if they're going to make just other distilled products at the one in Lebanon. If it's even going to be all bourbon, if they're making like mm-hmm. Barton makes vodka and things like that. Yeah, I think they're going to make vodka. a lot of niche products. Probably, yeah. I think they're going to get in that realm. They have the money to do whatever they want. I mean, they're right. such a huge conglomerate. But yeah, I mean, that's I an think, international company. You know, they can do whatever. hearing that because they really they're really hush hush type company anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that size and moving in there and only hiring thirty five so employees, um, it's probably going to be something very niche. They're probably going to run out of single barrel programs or something just out of there, probably, mm-hmm. which is smart. I mean, yeah, I think they're going to have people traveling stuff. there uh-huh. to try to get in there, and they're going to be sure. like, we don't do tours like that's. A, because it doesn't sound like it's going to be like a destination. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, hey, we're going to pull this out of here. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Lebanon, Kentucky great. on some bottles. Yeah, well, then you've got like, <laughs> who is it cool. the that makes Kentucky out? Is it Bacardi? The Stoli. Stoli, yeah. Stoli, yeah. Stoli, yeah. Stoli They're going to pick up a bourbon amusement park with yes. like roller coaster rides yeah. with yeah. a Ferris wheel. Like, you bring <laughs> the kids and yeah. Mom and Dad get drunk, I guess, and the kids go off and uh, who, who cares? Get drunk, probably. Ride, I don't ride know. the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, the other part of the, the bourbon boom that we're seeing right now, um, and this new riff is a great example. This stuff is phenomenal. I, I'm preferring it actually. To yeah, this the, is the really good. Trace yeah. and the yeah. old yeah. Ezra that we're tasting, but um, we're starting to get to the point where these craft distilleries that started up four or five years ago are coming of age, and we're starting to get to taste their products, which I think is an exciting right. thing that's, that's happening right now. And Chad was talking about kind of how great new riff is done, and they had their OKI brand, which was sourced from MGP, but very well thought of, and the the bottles that I was lucky enough to get were phenomenal. Yes. Um, just aged very well. I don't know what it was about where they aged it at their facility in Newport, where all those barrels ended up short. Like they yes. were all after twelve years, they yielded like seventy or eighty bottles. Yes, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it made for great juice, and now New Rips distill it is awesome. Well, I mean, this is a, I mean, this is a four year. Mm-hmm. And it is about as full flavored as you could possibly get. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's barely, you know, it's a single barrel product. I mean, it's pretty high proof, but I mean, still, like the just the flavor that you're getting from yes. it. Like, I don't, I mean, I can't explain that. I don't it's know where that high comes rye from. Nashville, it yeah. doesn't even taste spicy. It tastes no. wholly unique. So, yeah, what do you, you think it is that they're mm-hmm. doing that's that's yielding such a good product? Yeah, and you said that you when you tasted this one, like you knew oh, it, it was instant. the one. Yeah, it was instant. We had seven barrels we picked from. 
Of course, we takes it all seven, but I mean, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we I think we got halfway through and hit that on number three, and we were like, nope, this is the one, and then we went back, and we were, it was just, it was very easy. And I'll tell you how easy it was, it was the master distiller who's there now, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but he came in our pick as we sat in there, and and he, he said, which one did you all pick? And I said, this one, and he tried it, and he was like, oh, yeah, I had to pick this one, too, because he says, it doesn't taste like a lot of the other ones that we bottled already. It really? tasted different. That's what we liked about it. It doesn't taste like the normal New Riff single barrel that I've tasted before, mm -hmm. and it stood out. Um, it's a great product. They're doing stuff the right way. I mean, they hired the right people to teach them the way. Like I said, Ken Lewis has been a retailer for years. They were smart. They bought a lot of product from MGP, and then they basically – the distiller that left MGP, basically they hired him to teach them how to make to bourbon. It. And the guy's done it for all his life and he knows how to do it. So they learned, you know, they kind of learned that OKI was such a great product and such a world beater mm -hmm. that, I mean, everybody and their mother loves that stuff now and you can't right. find it. Yeah. They thought if they do that well, we need to learn how to do that. And that's, mm -hmm. they basically have just copied the product that they had got from OKI is just younger and mm. it's a lot of the same mash bill. That mash bill, the one reason we liked the new riff a lot, the single barrel was, we had a product that we bought quite a few years ago from Old Scout in West Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was when they were still doing barrel programs. They kind of stopped that now because they sold so many they don't have enough. Right. We had one that uh, we bought and sold that was probably one of the fastest single barrels we've ever done, and it's the and one of my favorites, and it's the exact same mash bill as this new riff mash bill, and I think it's why a lot of us when we picked it really liked it because mm -hmm. it's the exact same mash bill. It's a high yeah. rye mash bill, mm -hmm. and you know, like I said before, it's a four year old single barrel. I'm gonna be really excited when they have a like a six or seven come out because mm -hmm. I think it's just gonna be. A product that is not going to sit on shelves. It's just going to people are going to grab it left and right. Oh, right? Man, and it's all. reasonably priced. Ken Lewis is from a retail background. Mm -hmm. I mean, you buy that single barrel. You know, at my store, it's forty nine ninety nine. It's fifty right. bucks. That's yeah, that's uh, some other people could charge. I mean, I've seen people charge brand new two year old single barrel hundred dollars. Yeah, really. And you know, and get away with it. People do buy it, but <laughs> it also doesn't move real fast either. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, you'll go to a liquor store and something will be like super, super marked up. Like, what's the regulation on that? Like, are, is it just up to your discretion? There is no regulation, what, there's which, none. Is, which is bad. So, um, so you can just mark it up, whatever. Once you buy the product, the product's yours. You can price and it you can price however it. you want to price it. It belongs to you. Hmm. Um, be nice if it wasn't that way. Right. Yeah. Um, just because it would, you know, I don't know, make it'd be easier right. for people to buy a product. Um, but there's no really price regulation on it. There used to be um, four years ago, maybe, maybe five, right as the bourbon was hitting the Van Winkle family, um, when their Van Winkle stuff came out, they were big proponents of people price gouging their product. They didn't like it. They thought it made their brand look bad. They would actually get wind of stores over gouging people like exorbitant amount. Instead of $50 for a normal bottle, they were charging 300. Mm -hmm. They would actually call a distributor and say, look, you need to call this account. We can't have that. And distributor would call and say, look, what you know, I've seen somebody's called, the Van Winkle has called, you cannot charge that for that. And if you do, next year you won't get any. Hmm. <laughs> they used to be big proponents of that. And then the boom got so big, you can't, they, you can't control it. Okay. And yeah. the Van Winkle yeah. family basically threw up their hands and like, we're out. We just can't do it anymore. Yeah. We can't police it. We can't just, I mean. There's no way. Well, in reality, you know, even if they were able to police that and everybody was charging what their suggested retail is, then what are they going to do about the, the secondary market? Correct. People are still selling it on the side. I mean, yeah, if, there's if nothing I'm they're going to do about that. I don't just rather have the retail, rather have somebody not on the black market selling well, it than somebody illegally it selling matter, it. Though. I mean, it's not coming back. Well, just well it's not coming back point. to you, but... At least it's sitting on the shelf and people can can look at it right there. That's true. And, yeah. and it's yeah. not part of an illegal. Well, <laughs> yeah, correct. And I, you know, I participate in the secondary market. I buy, I oh, sell, I trade. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing in and of itself, but it seems like it's not sustainable. Like something has to give. Like I, I, I noticed just over the past several weeks, 
all these new people flooding onto these sites and they've got no idea. They don't know what anything is mm -hmm. and they're in there fishing for information. They'll send a picture of, of a shelf of bourbon and say, anything worth anything good here? Right. <laughs> and expect everybody to say, oh yeah, buy that. Uh, yeah. Well, at this point, people think they can make money off of it. Yeah. I mean, that's what people it's turning into. Like it's a side, like, it it make it's this a side job for yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my contention is, and this is something that Chad and I have talked about at the bar before, is if the suggested retail price was raised closer to secondary, it would snuff out a lot of that secondary market. Um, it would stump out probably some, um, but I've, I've just, for being on secondary market and seeing stuff and what people pay for stuff, I think there, right now, the boom's so big, there's not really a ceiling because you have people that, you live within your means somewhat, you might venture out a little bit over top of it, but you know, you have somebody that makes $2.5 million a year. They, they don't care. Have, they don't care about spending fifteen hundred dollars on a bottle that's only three hundred. They won't even blink at it. Right now, if I raise the price to fifteen hundred dollars, well, they'll just pay two thousand dollars. They don't. I mean, so it gets to the point where people that can afford it, they don't care. Mm -hmm. The secondary now, market would just rise. With it would rise up with it for the people that can afford it. Exactly. Now, where it really hurt, really hurts people is people that maybe right now can't afford it, or maybe push the limits and still can't. Yeah. They, they can buy something now. They can buy, you know, like, well, I can afford $750. I'll do that because I want that bottle. But if you push it higher than that, then your people, that they're just out of the market. Yeah, they just can't do they're it. out of it. You well, know? I would think that it almost be bad for business for you in general because if you have to start pricing things at $500 a bottle, eventually you get the reputation of being like, well, I can't afford anything in that store. Well, you have to deal with, I mean, go, you're, right? you're like customer facing, so yeah. you have to deal with all those people coming in. Right. And they're like, you know, you'd rather be the person that has like, like the, for a, yeah, you'd rather for be the person that says like, oh, they have really affordable prices and like it's yeah, reasonable correct. when you go in there right. as opposed to like, I mean, every time I walk in there, I'm just sticker shock. And there's many stores around town that are like that. I mean, we try not to be that way, but there's many stores that, I mean, you know, I have people calling like they have a shelf of Weller 12 years sitting there and you don't have any? I'm like, no, but they want $200 for a bottle. I charge $52 for it. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So that's why. We don't want to be those people. We we don't do that. So right. it's one thing we've kind of held our ground on. Um, Van Winkle, like, for instance, um, Republic Distribution that, that distributes Van Winkle stuff, they've actually asked the Van Winkle family to raise the prices on their product. Van Winkle family hasn't raised the price on their product in over 12 years. Wow. And they've asked them, like, maybe if you raise the price some, we can raise the price some, mm -hmm. retail. And they're like, no, hmm. we're not going to do it. This is the point. This yeah. is, this is we're, they make bourbon, which is great for the drinker, for the consumer. They make it, people enjoy it. Yeah. It just so happens that now people make a lot of uh, a secondary living off of it. But it's just, I, I think it's just a, a kind of a disconnect. And mm -hmm. the, the if, if it was readily available, then yeah, I mean, charge what you charge. But there's a shortage of it. So... From a strictly economic standpoint, the price should go up, but there's there's not that mechanism right. there, I guess. Um, so, I mean, just from your standpoint as, as a business owner, um, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about bourbon here, and that's that's what our business is based on, that's what our podcast is based on, but what percentage of your business actually even comes from these high-end bourbons? It's got to be relatively small, right? It's relatively small. I mean, you, and besides your everyday regular customers that go in and buy their fifth of Makers or Old Forester or Woodford sure. or whatever, those people are still looking for that stuff. But mm -hmm. um, I'd say it's a pretty small percentage uh, just because, like I said, the market's gotten so big that so many people are in it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many people in it now that don't even drink bourbon. They've got to buy it because it's clickable <laughs> right. and you can make money on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it, that's kind of been tough, but I'd say it's a very small percentage of people that buy the high end that will want the high end. Mm. Um, you know, the good thing is, is I think, um, at least it's what I've realized with some of my local customers, I think the local people here, you know, Louisville, I think they've gotten tired of chasing the high end bourbon. Mm -hmm. I think they've gotten tired of having to stand in line for nine or 10 hours. And what they've done is they've gone to the shelf to find other products that are there that are good products. Yeah. Um, for instance, you know, one of them, Henry McKenna Tenure, which has been one of the best products on the shelf for many, many years. It's my favorite. It's hard to find now because find everybody got on it finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's products like that. There's products like Evan Williams Single Barrel. Mm -hmm. You know, Evan Williams is a great product you can find every day. I think people are branching out because they're just tired of 
Absolutely. the work that, that is needed to do it and I think they're finding other things finally which is good yeah we talked so. about that a lot on our tours um, you know we're brand agnostic so we're like we're, we're throwing out all these different brands of bourbon for people to try and people will ask us all the time where can we find this where can we find this and we we make that that's like what we do on purpose we're putting bourbons out there that you can find not all of them mm -hmm. but like if somebody wanted to leave and go buy a Bardstown you know mm -hmm. um, they could or at least you know at right. that point so that's that's part of what we're trying to do too because people come on these tours and they're like well we're they're out of town right yeah. they're like the people who come to your liquor store and they're like oh where can we find this we don't want to have to be the people to tell them every single pour is like well you can find it at the bar right yeah like that's right it here and yeah. that's mm -hmm. it but that makes me glad actually that I brought this old Ezra Seven because originally I just brought it because I think it tastes good, but it kind of plays <laughs> into this discussion. The reason that this gained so much popularity, at least from my vantage point, was because Fred Minnick, who's like I don't even know how to describe him, he's just like a bourbon dude that wears an ascot. Pretty wow, much. I was gonna say and ascot too. Books. Like that was the first <laughs> yeah. thing that came to my yeah. head. Yeah, he's written well, a couple he's a, books. He's yeah. obviously very well. He's read. very knowledgeable. He's, like he's a veteran. He served our country, so yeah. got a lot of respect for the guy. Um, he's a pioneer in this industry, and he's made a living off of it. Uh, at least I believe so. Mm -hmm. But he did uh, an article probably three or four months ago where he tasted all these things that he called everyday bourbons, and he said that this was his favorite everyday bourbon that you could find guess what suddenly Fred Minnick says that yeah. and you can't find it anymore correct uh, that, the only place that you can find this yeah. at the distillery they've yeah. got a shelf full and of he's kind of the first one who, who kind of put the word out about the McKenna too mm -hmm. yeah um, so yeah. I mean that like he so was that, at that yeah. like world whiskey competition and it was just like yep this is yeah this is it mm -hmm. um, I mean that's I'm sad about that because that was my favorite like yes. $30 bottle yes. that you could find anywhere and now I can't find it you know, I mean, I kept a bottle of that, like, no matter what. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of wild how all this stuff's working Apparently, out. Old Forester has, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, have, uh, they don't have enough 1910 no. anymore. And they're going to be, it's really? going to be gone until, like, I July. I bought a bunch up because yeah. of that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably stock away a couple when? of bottles. July is July. what I oh, wow. I don't know if that's that's 100% sure. the case or not. Mm -hmm. Um, then you got brands like uh, like Booker's that raised their price mm -hmm. a yeah. couple of years ago. They went from like uh, what was it fifty to seventy yeah. or something like that. It worked for them. It was mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it worked. It slowed their product down. That's mm -hmm. they had a problem. Oh, with. They, they, yeah, they were running. They out. were running out. And they thought we'll raise the price and slow it down, and it worked. It did slow it down. It mm -hmm. helped them. And I just think that there's a happy medium there where you're not charging like full secondary price. There's a store that I go to in Old Louisville where. He's got very reasonable prices. You can go in there and get uh, Old Forester 1920 for pretty close to the bottom of the barrel price. But he started to, he gets like birthday bourbon and all this stuff, and he started to charge full secondary price right. for it. And I guess people buy it. I don't know. I don't buy it. Um, I think people, a lot of people that live in, in Louisville and, born, you know, say live most of their life here, a lot of people don't. Louisville people don't pay black market prices in in in, in stores in retails mm -hmm. because yeah. they're smart enough to do. Yeah. But out of towners don't know any different, and right. they have to have it because they know they're not going to find it where they're from, it. Right. and they just pay it. And that's what most people that do retail to do that. I mean, they'll have product that might sit on their shelf for three or four months, but somebody is going to come in and pay for it. Mm -hmm. There is somebody, mm -hmm. right? And that's what they do. It's a shame, but you know. Yeah, and that's the other, like people will post on the the Facebook groups like they'll go in and take a picture of like a Weller 12 price that you know 100 bucks or whatever and oh my god I can't believe this liquor store is doing it which, which I agree with to some extent I wish that this was priced lower but the reality is if it was priced lower it wouldn't have been on the shelf and you right. would have never, never seen been it in the first place yeah. so it's not like you could have walked in there and bought it for 30 bucks right I think I'm like you I think there's a happy medium yeah. I mean um, I, I you know I mean personally we don't do it but I we've talked about it um there's some limited stuff that we've talked about charging a little bit more for, putting a premium price on. Maybe not to gouge anybody, but hey, here's your normal retail. Well, let's just add $25 on top of it. Even yeah. liquor prices I mean, started to do that. I mean, $25, you know, over a period of, you know, 60 bottles, that adds up pretty quick. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Pretty quick. And you're not gouging anybody. And I no. don't think re the consumers would come in and go, oh, well, I paid $150 for that last year. It's $175. Oh, 
okay. Yeah. You know, Honestly, let's, call it, let's call it inflation. So, yeah, you know? to me it's no, the convenience. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. That's why fine. I like uh, that's why I like barrel selections because you can literally go in and say like, okay, this is a unique product that I can mm-hmm. get. It's never way too far out yeah. of price range, but you know that it's one of those things where like I'm going to get this for a season. If I like it, I can come back and get a bottle. It's probably going to be easy, and then it'll be gone, and it'll be yeah. something new. Right. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean that that as a, as opposed to me like looking for that white whale of like, oh my God, this is on the shelves and it's never right. there. So Chad, I want to ask you just a few kind of quick hitter questions. Sure. To get into the end here. The other day, I was at the bar and you flashed a bottle of uh, Tornado Survivor. Yes, I did. Oh, whoa. Taylor, did you Have you cracked that yet? No, that is not for me. That actually belongs to somebody else. Okay. Oh. Somebody paid an exorbitant amount of money for that. Got it. Way out of my league. <laughs> Way out of my league. I, I cannot afford to pay that kind of money. So what's your what's the best like kind of high end like white whale unicorn bourbon that you've ever tasted that you, that you would pay whatever for if, if you had the opportunity to get? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I had well I had a bottle of Tornado at my house that we passed off two years ago, but I bought it for retail out of my store for eighty nine ninety nine yeah, three right. four years ago. So that that was a that was probably a gem that we all got to drink that I didn't mind drinking that now goes for. Well above fifteen hundred dollars a bottle, which wow. is crazy. crazy. Wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty. I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty simple when it comes to my bourbons. I mean, I have a pretty nice collection at home because it helps that I'm in the retail business. Right. right. But you gotta know what it tastes like. Um, yeah. True. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Booker's fan. Enormous Booker's fan. Um, probably one of the better products that I've got to taste in a few years in that line was the Booker Rye that came out. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I, you know, I we got a bottle of that, and I didn't buy it because we only have one, and I just don't do that. I would rather consumers have a shot chance of getting it. I would probably pay, I would probably pay what they're going for now, which is pretty high to have a bottle. Seven eight hundred bucks. I mean, it's about like eight hundred dollars. I probably would do it, and I probably would get in trouble for doing it. My wife would be mad, but <laughs> I probably would do it just because it's just phenomenal bourbon. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those. I'll be. I mean, Pappy Twenty Three and all that. I'll be honest. It's. I think it's a little overrated. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's fine. Um, it's good bourbon, but it's not. I'm more of in the in the Pappy line. I'm a Rip Ten guy. I like mm-hmm. the ten year old Van Winkle Rip. I think it's a great product. It's 107. I kind of like higher proof stuff. So, yep. agree. I mean, if, if I had a line and people said you can buy whatever you want, I would probably buy that. I just right. that. Well, my favorite of the whole group is 13 year rye. Yeah. But it's near impossible to find anymore. Mm-hmm. Have so you had like the new batch of the 13 year rye? Because they they yes. ran out of their. Is it is it um, as good? It's as not. This? I don't think it's as good because it's not done in you know the wood vac the wood barrels anymore. Mm-hmm. They're all doing those stainless steel tanks and mm-hmm. trying to slow down the product from aging and right. doing all that stuff now. I don't think it tastes as good, but it's still a really good product. Yeah. If you can get it for retail. I love right. a good rye like that. Yeah. I mean, the I think the one of the best whiskeys I've ever tasted was a, a Sazerac 18 rye from maybe five or six years yes. ago. And that, Delicious. that was when I was like really first starting to really get into this, and that changed my perspective on, on rye. I mean, yeah. I didn't know that rye could taste like that. Have you you mentioned Booker's? Have you had a chance to try the thirtieth anniversary? I have been got a chance to try that. It's very very good. Yeah, I've very got a good. bottle sitting at home that I haven't opened yet. Oh, it's delicious! I should open it. Oh my gosh, it. it's delicious! <laughs> I would open it and drink it. Okay, I'll do Although so. I'll be honest with you, it's going for a lot more money than I thought it was going to go for on the secondary market. Yeah, so. it's, it's coming down. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's it's, it's phenomenal it's juice. It, Fred and them did a you great should, job on that. You should mm-hmm. open it. You know, they stopped them from, you know, they were going to barrel bottle something they didn't want to bottle. You know, I'm sure you know that story with mm-hmm. Fred said, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I put my name on that. Oh, right. Way, yeah. And I'm putting Booker on that. And, I mean, he fought for it. Wow. Which was great because I feel like they were going to put it. Well, they wanted it. They wanted it to be a 16-year. They right? wanted it all 16-year. And he said, it doesn't taste like Booker's. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're home. Well, now they're in Chicago, big home office. Somebody right. sitting in the office that probably doesn't know a whole lot about bourbon that just looks at numbers and figures they wanted to charge like three hundred dollars wholesale for that bottle yeah and he fought for that too which is great he's like no we're not doing that that's not what we do with our products here at bean yeah so he really fought for it but he's turned in a good product him blending it together it's delicious mm. it's very good can't wait to try it i haven't seen any reviews for it i've been like waiting no. for somebody to everybody's flipping it nobody's it. opening and drinking it <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> 
So last question, um, which favorite barrel picks experience have you been on? I mean, you've obviously done a lot of them. Um, what, what's, is there one that sticks out as like, this was, this was special? Um, done a lot. I would, um, I would probably say, I mean, we've bought more Knob Creek single barrels than anything we've bought altogether from anywhere. Um, my two experiences, the one, when we went to old, uh, Smooth Ambler and did the very old Scout stuff and that stuff, that was a really great experience because that was before they were owned by a big company that paid mm -hmm. millions of dollars for them. Those guys, I mean, that was four people that owned it. They were mom and popish. They were, I mean, it was like, it was like your best friend. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. I mean, we went to that place and, you know, we walked in their, 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 barn or facility, whatever you call it, because it's concrete floors and metal siding, and mm. it wasn't like your normal rick house. Yeah. And there were probably 50 or 60 barrels in this rick house, and they literally gave us a drill and said, you try as many as you want. <laughs> Whoa. And pick out as many as you want. And it was, there were four of us. We went up, stayed the night, and it, it was the coolest thing. They treated you like like you were related to them and just mm -hmm. make yourself at home. That's awesome. It was That's awesome. Cool. It was probably one of the cool experiences. That next to Knob, I mean, probably one of my one of the best times I've done it, Knob. We've done a lot of knobs, but this the last pick we went on with people the from the club pick. was so great because I've been on. We probably bought ten barrels or eleven barrels of knob with our stores, and to go with these guys, the people have never been ever in their entire life to been on a tour, mm -hmm. been in a rick house, mm -hmm. to see how people really it. I guess because I've been on so many, it doesn't do an hobby as much. People, to watch how much people enjoyed that, and they talk about it still to this day, and people still talking about it. Yeah. And to be able to pick out product and you know that you got to pick it out, it's yeah. just, I enjoyed that that's more awesome. than a no, lot No, I mean, that's something that's super cool. Like, every time, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're on tours, we talk about, uh, sorry, <clears throat> I kind of like to play. It's just one of those burn. things, we're one of those operations. <laughs> but yeah. I don't have a yeah no cough button, but no like on our tour we tell a lot of folks about how we did uh, did a barrel pick with uh, our folks at Taj, and we talk about you know taking the thief and like getting it right into your glass mm -hmm. and there's char and everything and everybody just like you see their eyes get big and they're like whoa like you seriously got to do that like so yeah being there and like being able to see that like it's a pretty special thing. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. Very nice. Well. I don't think we have anything else. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Chad, do you want to uh, you want to tell us yeah, where you're where you're located? Tell, yeah, also, we, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, we have three stores. Um, we have one on Old Henry and Gene Snyder in East End, um, right off the exit, Liquor World. There, it's in a promenade, right off the exit. And then we have one one exit over, uh, Pee Wee Valley exit, so Liquor World also. And then we have a third new one that's been open just a little over a year now out in Prospect. It's right on the Oldham County Jefferson County line. It's called Prospect Wine and Liquors. Mm -hmm. Those are the three we have. Very nice. And of course, we are Sour Mesh Tours. We're Louisville's first and only walking bourbon tasting experience. Um, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, even. We do that, Twitter we do even. that sometimes. Twitter, even. At Sour Mesh Tours on all accounts. Yeah, follow us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you're mm -hmm. one of the, the dozens of people out there listening to this podcast. Uh, leave a review. And I feel like we're going to get some traction on this say one. Say if you like Feeling it. Good. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is awesome, man. Chad, thank you so much for Thanks coming. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yes. Yeah, go really out really and try their barrel picks because we've tried two and they're fantastic. So uh, yeah. these yeah. folks is know there, what they're doing. Is the, is the new riff, is there any of this left? I have tons of it left. Tons I literally of just put it go, out go uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm gonna, this I'm is, come this is really this is phenomenal. This is really good. And also, you got to get some because this this is just. We'll post the picture. Where's well, my picture on it? It's got to yeah. be worth something. Oh, I've already, I've <laughs> already <laughs> signed a bottle for it if you that, want. I've already taken a picture yeah. of this. Like I'm, I'm like, this is everything to me right now. I know now. that's not a La Rosa's pizza while you're no, up in Northern Kentucky. That's actually from. This is like. Craig Anthony went on and did that from the Fat Boys rap group back in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, and he, yeah. he mocked that up and put our pictures in it. That's awesome. So, Incredible. It is Like, good. this is the he best. He did an awesome job. Honestly. Very nice. Well, everybody, thanks for joining. Cheers. 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 Do it.